on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, grab your fill of sunshine moments on the Sunshine Coast. Queensland's sedate holiday strip is awash with the safari of sights and experiences. Spend a night at Australia Zoo. Feast on the foodie scene in Malula Bar. Discover the charms of Rainbow Beach on horseback. And take a ride on the Merry Valley Rattler. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters for a fresh spanking clean edition. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Delighted to be with you, Andrew. And always as with you, Michael. Great to see you as we jump across the Tasman for a fresh swing through the Sunshine Coast. Yes, and the temperature is plunging, so a winter escape sounds pretty cool. Mm. Direct flights to the Sunshine Coast from Auckland kick off in June. Oh, lovely. That'll ramp up the temptation factor for a winter escape. The Sunshine Coast offers a fantastic range of family-friendly experiences at a more relaxed pace than the Gold Coast. It's a compact region and so easy to hopscotch your way around the assortment of sites on a self drive holiday. Indeed. For a lot of Kiwis, venturing to Australia Zoo is always big on the checklist. Oh yeah. And it's because of Steve Irwin, really, his legacy, which just palpably lives on at the zoo. Crikey. <laughs> so crikey. Uh, the Irwin family, of course, keep the faith with his commitment to the celebration, the conservation and care of wildlife. Now this place is something to behold, set across 700 acres of tropical parkland, over 1,000 200 native and exotic animals call Australia Zoo home. And you'll struggle to do justice to its mind-blowing magnificence in only one day. Too right. It's the intimacy of the animal encounters which makes Australia Zoo such an exhilarating experience and um, such a novel way to engage with wildlife. The iconic attraction is the Wildlife Warriors show, which roars into life around one o'clock each day in the Crocosseum. Yes. The Crocosseum. <laughs> Every house needs a Crocosseum. It does. Although Australia Zoo is the only place that's got one. Um, um, but um, it is such a fantastic show. So it begins with the free flight birds of prey that wheel and swoop around the arena. Oh, you'd love that. Well, I don't like things sort of snapping at me. Fluttering. Fluttering and no. getting just a little bit too close. But yes, you get that. And that's like the warm-up act for the jaw-snapping drama of those ginormous saltwater crocodiles who command proceedings with a feeding session. It is absolutely electric. Now, beyond the zoo's enclosures and attractions, you can also take a behind-the-scenes tour through the Australia Zoo Wildlife Hospital. I would have to say I found this actually more enthralling than the zoo itself. Yeah. Because I've never actually been inside a wildlife hospital, and the one at Australia Zoo treats around 10,000 patients a year. CDHB could take a few lessons. Too right. And the standard of treatment and care is extraordinary. They've got fully equipped operating theatres. Again. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They have got 
highly functioning intensive care units, extensive rehabilitation facilities. Yes, there's a lot our health authorities could take note of here. Yeah. Uh, on my tour, there was this gorgeous green sea turtle. She was about 60 years old, weighed about 150 kg. Ooh. That's nearly as heavy as you, Andrew. <laughs> Move on. Uh, And she'd been placed in an adult hoist after undergoing surgery. Sadly, it appeared she had collided with a jet ski. Who gives way in the great blue yonder? The jet ski gives way. You would think so. Mm -hmm. And in those sort of waters, the expectation is jet ski riders are meant to go slow, but hello, Mm -hmm. jet skis. Mm. Um, So sadly, one of her flippers had to be amputated. I know. I felt quite upset and traumatised by the whole thing. I thought I might need to check myself into the rehab facility. But yeah, it's those sorts of encounters that just bring home to roost just the the primal nature of um, wildlife and how exposed they are to what we do in their neck of the woods. You mean our stupidity out in nature with our motorised things and thinking we own the planet. Yeah, we turn their home into our playground. Yeah, Yeah. never good. You'll see numerous koalas at the hospital too, most of whom are admitted suffering from chlamydia or being hit by a car or attacked by pets, other animals, touring this hospital and chatting to the devoted staff is quite the revelation. Oh, yeah. So you really do want to add that to your checklist at Australia Zoo. If you want to push the boat out, and as we say, uh, don't try and do this all in one day, there is an option. You can luxuriate overnight at the adjoining Crocodile Hunter Lodge. Now, this was a long-held dream project that Steve Irwin harboured, and it only opened last June, so it still has that new lodge smell, which is always good. <laughs> the new lodge smell. Love it. Dotted around the bushland, eight family-friendly cabins offer a super comfortable accommodation experience wrapped in nature's elements. Now, Steve's son, Robert, is a highly talented photographer, and his works feature prominently. Yeah magnificent landscape photography, magnificent animal photography. So lap all of that up. Um, The best place of all at the uh, Crocodile Hunter Lodge is the Billabong Infinity Pool, 25 metres long. And the idea is have breakfast, then just go and bask in the pool and you'll have red kangaroos jumping across right in front of the pool, emus grazing, dozing koalas in the gum trees. A lot of the koalas there were actually rescued from the bushfires in recent years. Mm, That made the news several times. It did. Robert actually added quite a cool touch to the pool. Photographs he took of two crocodiles have been printed onto the pool tile. So when you're having a little swim, doing a couple of laps, you've got a couple of crocs directly below you. Could be a bit unsettling. Yeah. Yes, Australia Zoo is also very close to the Glasshouse Mountains, 11 thrusting rocky columns looming large on the skyline. Now, when's the best time of day to hit the walking tracks in the National Park, being Australia and the sun could be quite brutal? That's it. I was out of bed like a frisky kangaroo early morning. Mm Mm-hmm for a dawn walk, and that's when you want to do it. The other reason is, in the early morning, you often get these fingers of sea mist that drift in from the coast, and they wrap around those toothy fangs of the Glasshouse Mountain. So Ooh. it sort of just ramps up the whole mystique factor. Oh, lovely. So if you want a, like a short and sweet walk, just head down Steve Irwin Way. So yeah, this is close to the zoo. Uh, follow the signs to the Glasshouse Mountains National Park and do the Mount Gun Gun hike. It's only a 60-minute return trail. 
not strenuous. There are a few short, steep sections, but nothing too tough. And it is once you get to that summit that it is just mind blowing. You get like these sweeping views of Gungun's mountain siblings, like Mount Tibragagan and Mount Bewa, but also really intimate views of some of the neighbouring mountains. It is just such a cool way to kickstart your day. Absolutely. Now, stay with us. We indulge in the delights of Malulabar next. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, as we savour the delights of the Sunshine Coast. Now, Malulabar, stunning, starring destination, also serves as an ideal base for holidaying on the Sunshine Coast. Yes, and it's awakening to the sweeping curve of Malulabar Beach in that satin blue sea. It is just so uplifting. The sun rose while I was there as thick and as orange as egg yolk. Oh, uh, how very so, picturesque, Michael. <laughs> such a great spectacle. And uh, once again, in the early morning calm, it was quite a scene along Malula Bar Beach. It was like half the local population was up early, embracing the new day. They were surfing in the crystal-tipped waves. They were dabbling on the shoreline. They were milling about the surf club, ordering up espressos, and they were strolling the coastal pathway. It was only 6.30 in the morning, and it was like half of Malula Bar was up. Amazing. <laughs> Not surprising. Yeah. Malulabar Beach consistently ranks as one of Australia's best beaches. And as we know, Australia is world famous for its beaches. Malulabar Beach would have to be one of the best in the world. Yeah. And through a fortuitous quirk of nature, it is one of the few east coast beaches that actually faces north geographically. Think about that. Amplifying its appeal with calm, warm ocean water all year round. Yeah. So those currents are coming down like from the Coral Sea, just bringing all that warm water. Fabulous. You know how much I love e-biking, Andrew? I do. A nice little bit of a help on your journey. It never goes astray, does it? It's very true. Mm-hmm. So I hooked up with Stuart from Ecotech Sunshine Coast. Did you now? And uh, Stuart's team operate a variety of guided e-bike tours, both on the coast and also in the Sunshine Coast hinterland. I set off on the three-hour-long river-to-river land and sea e-bike tour. So R- River-to-river land and sea e-bike tour. Yeah. Right. So it's quite a comprehensive e-bike tour. I'm getting this. Which is why you will want the E prefixing the bike. <laughs> so we uh, started off from the gleaming waters of the Malula River canals, and we tootled through Maroochydore, Cotton Tree, all the way to the pristine Maroochy River. It was just like a kaleidoscope of sights and insights. His commentary is brilliant. You'll be enriched with all sorts of anecdotes about the history, geology, the ecology of the sunny coast, and how those two rivers, Malula and Maroochy, uh, were pivotal to the region's development. And it's on an e-bike. Yes. Fantastic. You will definitely want the e-bike when you go over Alexandra Headland, which is this quite gnarly hill Mm. just um, off Malulabar Beach. Mm. Mm. Now, Malulabar's culinary experiences are outstanding. The script is being written at The Wharf, which underwent a tip-to-toe facelift a couple of years ago. Now, one of the heroes to join the parade is Spiro, the brainchild of acclaimed restaurateur Tony Kelly. Unmistakably Greek, Spiro Mm. feels like it has been scooped up direct from the Aegean Sea. You've got the most salivating menu of calamari, lamb moussaka, eros, pork belly, baklava, and spanakopita. Oh, yes. (laughs) Am I sounding Italian or Greek? Yeah, more Italian. Yeah. Then there's the more elaborate offerings like confit lamb shoulder with a pomegranate glaze. 
Zitake, lemon potatoes, and olive oil. It's just the most incredible feast of all things Greek. Lemon potatoes. <laughs> Still Italian. Yes. Uh, also in Tony Kelly's stable at the wharf, the wickedly popular venue Rice Boy, which is all about Asian street-style food. Yes, this place is quite something. Bao fans go gaga over their duck, pork, and chicken sumo-loaded buns. I only recently discovered chicken sumo is an Indonesian thing. I thought it was, well, I wasn't sure, actually. You thought it was a chicken dressed in one of those loincloths. <laughs> yes. Wanting to be part of a ring with the sumo wrestler. Sumo wrestling, yeah. yeah. Mm. Their dumplings are delicious. You've got stonking curries. But if you want something a little bit more substantial, sink yourself into sticky char sui pork, which is like that Chinese barbecue pork, mm-hmm. uh, Cantonese of origin. Yes, but it's really interesting because that rice boy, they mix that up with um, a Thai chili jam. You get a snow pea salad, duck fat pancakes. Hello. Ah, yes, duck fat. Yes. You. Mm. Speaking my language. Mm-hmm. You've got your pickled cucumber. You've got fried garlic shallots. It is like a pan-Asian party in your mouth. That's a, that's a nice <laughs> phrase, actually. It's all going on. I can see a coffee cup in that. Yes. Another dining destination is the iconic Prawn Star Restaurant. Yes, a nice play on Prawn Star. Very cleverly done. The dining landmark was first established in Cairns. But Prawn Star branched out to Malula Bar last year with two restored fishing trawlers permanently moored at the wharf. They serve wild-caught, sustainably-sourced seafood cooked on board these two fishing trawlers. It is just brilliant. Yep, Mm. right at the heart of the wharf, you're floating on the water. uh, And on the menu, all sorts of goodies from Neptune's Bounty, uh, bugs, as in Morton Bay bugs, (laughs) um, crayfish, oysters, salmon, sashimi, but nothing can beat tucking into a platter of Malula Bar prawns. No. It's sort of like... If I say bluff, you say oysters. I say Malula Bar, you say prawns. I do. You know? I do. The two just go together. They do, yes. (laughs) So you really do want to try a mix of the king prawns, which as the name would suggest are the big boys, and the tiger prawns, which are actually more flavoursome, and they are accompanied with the secret sauce. It is a plate of pure joy. The best thing of all about prawn star Malula Bar Mm -hmm. is it's headed up by Mark Edgley and his wife, Tanya. Now, if the name Edgley oh, yes. sounds familiar. Yes. Uh, yes, Mark. His father, the famous impresario of all things entertainment, mm-hmm. Michael Yes, Edgley. Michael Edgley. Yes. So, remarkably, it will come as no surprise to you that you get a sort of a theatrical finesse to the whole dining experience at Prawn Star. Yeah, when you look at some places, they just, you know... Uh, put a bit of stuff in a building and open a door and say, here we are. Yeah. This place, from the name Prawn Star to the two restored fishing trawlers permanently moored, uh, the food cooked on board, the trawlers, it's clever. Yes. And I, it's clever. Yes. And when that much thought has gone into a food establishment, you know it's going to be good. And, of course, Michael Edgeley, who is an absolute entertainment legend. So, yeah. you know, you've got a fair lineage here. Yes. Now, when Mark is not serving prawns, he still takes care of the family entertainment enterprise like the the Moscow Circus as a side hustle. 
I actually worked at the Moscow Circus. Did you really? I did. Um, I was chatting to him about it coming to Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many, many years ago, I worked at the Moscow Circus. Yeah. Which I do like to tell people I worked at a circus. <laughs> and they look at me like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, yeah, prawn star is a do not miss. It really is. After binging on so many of uh, those divine prawns, you can complete the whole sea-to-plate narrative by taking to the water, and a really good operator is Saltwater Eco Tours. It's led by Simon Thornley and his partner Jenna. Simon is actually indigenous of Torres Strait Island descent. Uh, so you get this fabulously sparkling experience on the water, cruising around the Malula Bar waterways with a procession of bush tucker canapes, showcasing all sorts of uh, native ingredients and also more seafood. I tucked into freshly shucked oysters, more magnificent prawns, best of all, kangaroo meat tacos. The Mm. best. Okay. Really, really good. Just hopped onto your plate. You will cruise aboard the Spray of the Coral Coast, which is a classic 58-foot gaff-rigged catch. This was first launched A century ago, this gloriously restored traditional sailing vessel was built to the same plan as the Spray, which was the boat used by Joshua Slocum to become the first person to circumnavigate the globe in the late 19th century. They reckon the Spray they've got uh, in Malulaba is the oldest Spray left. So it's, yeah, a great piece of sort of uh, sailing history. Yeah. So those old catches are fantastic. And you look at the sort of rigging, Mm. the gaff rigging. Oh, it's amazing. just mind-blowing. Yeah. So add to that, Simon is also a dab hand with the didgeridoo, so we got a really cool didgeridoo performance. So what, okay, so what is Simon not able to do? <laughs> <laughs> the other aspect to the whole float experience, the, all of the bling-bling trophy homes edging the waterways around Malulabar. Do you remember that TV show about 20 or 30 years ago, which was actually set in Melbourne, Sylvania Waters? Oh, good grief, yes. With that sort of dragon-like mother who was a real diva. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, it's that sort of setup in yep. terms of man-made canals and whatnot. I hear you. The amazing thing is all of these trophy homes, they all look like ghost homes. There was no one there. Yeah. So... Anyway, you can marvel over those. You can also see um, the Australian East Coast's largest fishing fleet, which is home in Maloolabar. It's massive, the sheer size of the fleet. All in a two-hour native bush food and seafood cruise with Simon. Absolutely. Now, back on terra firma, there's some fantastic places to stay in Maloolabar, and your pick would be... Newport Apartments. I'd heard this was good, and it's really good. Um, It is like a hymn to spacious apartment-style living in the heart of town. So you're just a block back from the beach. I could almost feel the sand between my toes. The sea breeze would waft in through the the balcony in my panoramic ocean view apartment. How high were you? 16 stories. Oh, that would be so nice view. Eagles view, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Across, across the terrain. Um, I got the most dreamy sunsets. I would wake up early to see Malulabar's beach light up when the sun poked its head above the ocean. And it gilds all of those fabulous trees flanking the beach. Bunya, 
pine trees, oh, which are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got a, like a symmetrical dome shape to them. They are fascinating trees, prized for their timber back in the day. Now, of course, quite protected, um, but the most beautiful trees uh, edging the beach. Now, Google bunya pine, if yeah. you're not familiar with what these look like, mm. and you'll see it and go, oh, of course, because yes. you would have seen them in photos uh, of the beach around this area. They're just synonymous yeah. with the Malula Bar Vista. They are. If you like. Right, coming up, we head north to Gympie and Rainbow Beach, where more sunshine moments await. Back in a mo. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Kick winter's chill to the curb and skip across the Tasman to the Sunshine Coast. Grab your golden fill of sunshine moments, world-beating beaches, lush hinterland villages, ancient peaks, wild encounters and succulent seafood are all part of the seduction. Head to the website, visit sunshinecoast.com. This is Kiwi Trips. This is your back with Mike and Andrew as we trip the light. Fantastic. On the Sunshine Coast, and there's a lot of light to be had. Righto. From Malulabar, uh, head up the M1 to the region's northern reaches. Rainbow Beach, wedged between Fraser Island, Great Sandy National Park, and the Pacific Ocean. Rainbow Beach is a seaside showstopper. She sells seashells on the seashore. So true. It yeah. really is an under-the-radar destination for a lot of Kiwis, but it blew my socks off. Um, you were wearing socks in Malulabo? <laughs> not for long. <laughs> Along the southern end of the beach, the coloured sands of the Kalula coastline is a masterclass of nature's wizardry. I have never seen anything quite like this. Really? So you've got this polychromatic sandscape where the sand hills rising up from the beach are composed of 72 varying shades of red, orange, amber, yellow, and brown. Wow. It is quite bewitching. And Just cast your mind back to the person that was charged with counting the shades. <laughs> I might get that sand. <laughs> get the oh. individual granules of sand and see how many colours you can... Exactly, yeah. yes. And then when you finish that, can you count up how many grains there are <laughs> yeah. in this natural phenomenon? They would have been given to the intern back in the day. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this stretches for 8K. Wow. So this is where the name Rainbow Beach came from. Yeah, yeah. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It does. And those sand dunes rising up, uh, they range in size from 80 metres to almost 200 metres. Holy Hannah. In height. Yeah, they're they're like mini mountains of multicoloured sand. Bit more than your Brighton Beach, isn't it? Certainly is. The array of colours, by the way, comes from iron oxide Mm. and vegetable dyes leached into the sand from the surrounding environment. Now, the full arc of Rainbow Beach stretches for 24 kilometres. That's a fair beach. Mm. Alongside swimming, surfing, the awesome breaks or kayaking, there's another natural spectacle to check out. Time your visit to coincide with low tide and watch the literally millions of little soldier crabs scamper their way along the sand like a fast-moving red carpet. (laughs) It so does look like that. That's, yeah. Uh, I was waiting for Aladdin to appear, you know, looking for his magic carpet. It is just brilliant. (laughs) A, quir- a quirky novelty to add to the checklist is a place called Carlo Sandblow. Huh. So just behind those multicoloured um, sand dunes along the beach, on the 
on the hinterland side of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. All of the sand gets blown up inland, and you can take this really cool walk on a track to reach the viewing platform, looking at the like the hinterland side of those coastal dunes, where you just see the most monstrous sand mass that has piled up and consumed vast stands of trees as the wind just powers it further inland. Wow. Yeah, and it's like this tug of nature. And you're like, be looking at a tree thinking, are you still going to be there in a couple of weeks' time? (laughs) Are you next? Um, The other thing is time it for sunset and watch the hinterland transform into a molten glow as you gaze down on this hulking sand mass rising up from the ocean. It's another quirk of nature. Love it. Another great way to embrace the elements of Rainbow Beach is to settle up with Rainbow Beach horse rides. Celebrating its 10th anniversary this month, the award-winning family enterprise uh, hosted you Mm. last month. Mm. Did you fall off the horsey? That was my biggest fear. Did you fall off the horsey? No, I did not disgrace myself. Oh, good. And did you fall off the horsey? (laughs) It had actually been about 10 years since I was last on horsey. Mm. Uh, But whether you are a newbie to equine pursuits or a seasoned rider, Andrew McCarthy and his qualified team of guides will get you ride ready in minutes with the crash course and stop and start. Yeah, I see, I'm always cautious when it comes to horses. <laughs> cautious horses. Respectfully cautious when it comes to horses. They are very clever animals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not. I reckon they are better than people at getting that first impression sort of gut feel as to what makes this person tick. Can I trust them? Well, they don't care if you've got a Rolex watch. No. What you're wearing. No. What you're driving. What your brand of clothing is. They just evaluate you. I think they're better than us. Much better. At sort of sizing up the cut of your jib. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I do. So I had a very long introductory talk to my horse. Oh, yes. Who was a 10-year-old Brumby called Renegade. Renegade. And when I was introduced <laughs> and told his name was Renegade, I thought, oh, God, this is going to end in tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you said Renegade, I thought, oh, I gave you the... Uh, yeah. The last time I was on a horse was in the Blue Mountains in Australia, and that horse was called Wrangler. And, oh, my God, he lived up to his name. Oh, yes. But Renegade belied his name. He was just the most gentle, attentive compliant, tolerant, patient horse. <laughs> I think probably tolerant would be the, yeah. you know, you say, well, let's just throw this human on your back. And, mm, I know. Yeah. I know. I spent a wonderfully relaxed hour or so cantering along the butter yellow sands of Rainbow Beach, and it's that rhythmic freedom of a horse ride, which is just so therapeutic. You know, you sort of like get in that groove. I know this is a really odd comparison to make but the rhythm of a horse ride and the rhythm of trains well it's actually quite similar yeah it is isn't it Mm. it's very rhythmic very therapeutic just cantering along yeah relaxing yeah Yeah. so i would say that is definitely for the must-do list absolutely now in rainbow beach where did you lay your hat (laughs) where did you rest your head i went to debbie's place and debbie's place is this blissful wee roost uh, just off the main street, very boutique property, free covered parking, free Wi-Fi, really nice air rooms with all the creature comforts. The thing 
that is best of all about Debbie's place is Debbie. She is like this little dynamo, very entertaining. Within minutes of meeting her, she proudly declared that her husband left her for his girlfriend 22 years ago, and it was the happiest day of my life. (laughs) She is hilarious. So that was like the introductory. Oh, hi, Debbie. Hi, I'm now my husband. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of oversharing, but oh, well. Yeah, yeah, she's very sharing, but um, you will be highly entertained. Debbie's place. Keep that in mind. Just ahead, we check out the wider neighbourhood, including Tin Can Bay and the Mary Valley. Back in a mo. This is Kiwi Tripsters. You're back with Mike and Andrew as we chase the sun to the Sunshine Coast. Right, a short drive from Rainbow Beach brings you to the small fishing town of Tin Can Bay, where you can feed wild dolphins. Yes. You'll want to be up early as the sun rises like a ripe peach. I jaunted off to Barnacle's Cafe. So that it was different to the egg yolk at Malula Bar. (laughs) It was more peachy. More peachy at Rainbow Beach, Lovely. So at Tin Can Bay, um, Barnacle's Cafe, they host quite a rare opportunity where you can feed and interact with wild Australian humpback dolphins. Really? Mm. Yeah. So it's situated at Norman Point at Snapper Creek. Um, so at Snapper Creek you can feed dolphins? Yeah. Where do you get to feed the snapper? <laughs> well, the creek sort of feeds into the coastline. I'm getting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very serene setting for this very novel dolphin experience, but you do need to arrive early. So the feeding gets underway at 8 a.m., and there were a huge crowd of punters uh, there on the morning I went there. It will cost you 10 bucks for a bucket of seafood. The dolphins live on a diet of fish, prawns, mollusks, crabs, squid, and octopus. They're very pampered dolphins, aren't they? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad diet. Mm. And it is actually a very tightly controlled affair, the feeding of them. Uh, there's a whole lot of marine biologists on site, and you've got to do it in small groups so you don't overwhelm the pod of dolphins. But um, they're onto a good thing, rocking into Barnacle's Cafe every morning at 8 for a feed. Yes, they are. <laughs> Courtesy of a whole lot of generous tourists. Indeed. But it, it's a really nice wee encounter. Just out of Rainbow Beach on the drive to Gimpy, uh, a curious little diversion, the village of Kiora. Yes. Right. So in Australia, <laughs> we have a village called Kiora. Yes. With a population of just 200 for the past century, the school and the village has been called Kiora. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, how did this come about, Michael? Please well, enlighten me. Well, the story goes, Andrew, that yes. two brothers, George and James Elliot, They bought up a whole lot of properties in the area to prepare the land for dairy farming. Yes. They are the ones who apparently adopted the name Kiora. It was at the recommendation of their sister Agnes, who thought their dairy farming venture needed a bit of good luck, and she'd been reading that Kiora meant good luck in Māori. Right. So there you go. We've got a Kiora in Australia. I don't actually think we've got anywhere named Kiora in New Zealand, have we? Well, that's... Not the place name. It's like naming a place hello. You wouldn't, would you? If you happen to be a bit of a train spotter, which I am, an essential experience to thread into your sightseeing is the Mary Valley Rattler. Now, based in Gympie, uh, the Mary Valley Rattler tasting train blends rail heritage with a showcase of fresh and flavourful Gympie produce. 
Gimpy has become a real food bowl. Yeah. They just seem to be able to grow and produce everything <laughs> in Gimpy. Um, so the Mary Valley Rattler Tasting Trainers are thoroughly indulgent experience. You're on board a Heritage Rail Motor RM76. Very cool. Yes. Puff, puff, puff. Mm. Now, she operated a century ago. Yeah. And... Now this steam train is powered by passionate volunteers. When you say powered by passionate volunteers, do they pull the train? (laughs) With a chimney at the top of their head. Mm. No, no. But they do look after the RM76. Very nice. Yes. Uh, You'll be treated royally by the volunteers and that onboard tasting plate. Oh, my goodness. This is is you to a T. Yeah. I was in my happy place, and if that's not enough, after your onboard tasting plate, you can have a nice two-course lunch at the historic Gympie Station, which is nearly as beautiful as the Rail Motor RM76. Very nice. Yeah, great little ride. So over a couple of hours, you'll head out of Gympie across the Mary River. You'll tootle around all of these photogenic rolling hills. You'll head to the small township of Dagen. Another great Australian name. Yeah, Dagen. it is, mate. And as far as sweet little Armamore, it is a classic on the tracks and it's considered Australia's third biggest heritage railway. Well, there you go. Now, whilst in town, call into the Gimpy Gold Museum, which does a sterling, see, gold sterling, job illustrating uh, the game-changing history of this colourful town. The discovery of gold in 1867 uh, set Gimpy on a path to be the town that saved Queensland from bankruptcy. Yes. Now, I wonder if Joby Occhi-Peterson took note of that. <laughs> they are so proud of uh, their past because... By 1866, the state or the colony of Queensland had only been formed for about a decade and they were on the cusp of ruin due to severe drought. Mm. And interestingly, the government, the Queensland government, offered a £3,000 reward if anyone discovered gold. It was like a sort of a Hail Mary. If you can find gold and save us, let us know, we'll pay you £3,000. Enter James Nash. Indeed. So he found this significant find in Gympie's Mary River a year later, and it unleashed a massive gold rush, transforming Queensland state's fortunes, and it has cemented uh, Gympie's stature as the saviour of Queensland. Brilliant. Mm. That is it for us for now. Be sure to like our Facebook page, and our show notes are, as always, available on the website kiwitripsters.co.nz. For great travel reading, you can check out our articles on the Sunshine Coast on our sister site for the loveoftravel.nz. For the loveoftravel.nz, and we would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice and a plethora of choices there are. Oh, yes. And you can lavish us with your frothy praise like a rolling ocean breaker at Rainbow Beach. Mm-hmm. Or you might want to be as sharp and as piercing. Is a toothy peak in the Glasshouse Mountains. Come on down. Love it. Mm. We look forward to catching you for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care now. Cheers, mate. <laughs> and that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? 
Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Oh,